This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome back to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger, the Inclusion Catalyst. My guest today is Alyssa DeVere. She's the founder and president of the ERG Leadership Alliance, or ELA, and she's also the author of a brand new book called ERG Intelligence. You can see all of the pages that I've bookmarked here. It's a fabulous book on the trends and kind of purpose and history of employee resource groups in corporate, municipal, and nonprofit spaces and how leaders within and outside of ERGs can best get involved to support their employees. So with that, Alyssa, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful. Nice to be here. I'm excited to have you because as we were talking about before we hit record, everybody seems to be doing ERGs right now, and there's so much to talk about in this space. Let's start with the very obvious question. Why did you write ERG Intelligence and who did you write it for? ERG Intelligence is actually my ninth book, and I joke with a lot of people that I write more than I read, but I really was serious when I said I didn't want to write a ninth book at the time. However, one of the things about this particular market is that it's changing so much, and just about every organization, at least the organizations over a thousand employees, I was on the phone just before with one that has 300 are starting some form of these employee groups. The problem is that the people that are starting them full of passion, energy, want to do it, it's everybody else that doesn't know what they can do, what these things are. And so oftentimes they don't know how to help. And in many cases, they get in the way. So you held up the book before this way. I'm going to hold it up this way this time, Amy, because what people need to know is it was deliberately written to be a plane ride's worth of reads on an hour or two for an executive to really get a good primer on what these groups are. And so that was really necessary in order for all these passionate people to do what they need to do and help the others support them. So there are a lot of benefits for companies to have employee resource groups, not just for the employees themselves to give them a sense of connection to each other, a sense of belonging within the company, all sorts of career leadership opportunities, but companies really benefit from these groups as well in terms of access to market insights that they may not otherwise have, access to talent pipelines they may not otherwise have access to. What are you seeing in terms of this elevation of the symbiosis between what employers gain and what employees gain as ERGs are evolving? When you say symbiosis, the the employees and particularly people who want to be part of the leadership of these groups, the sense of belonging, I take very seriously. My other bodies of work is very much about the science of belonging and the brain science behind it. And so it's a real need that makes people not only feel better, but they get more productivity out of them as a result. They are retained as employees. There's all this real, I I would say, employee engagement reasons why actually the employees want these groups. For the same reason, of course, you use the word symbiosis, the employers want that. The cost of recruiting a great employee is very high, several hundred thousand dollars in the U.S., 
And so if you bring in an employee and they look around and there's nobody like them, they don't make friends in those first 90 days, the chances of they're not going to stay. So it's a very expensive proposition to lose that employee, number one. Number two, once they're in the company, obviously you want to get the, the highest level of uh, innovation and productivity and that need to belong and you provide that to them. From a brain science perspective, which I look at the whole world, we unlock all the good stuff in our brain, the ability to be innovative and creative and really have the cognitive wherewithal, the persistence and the creativity to do the things that the employer really needs us to do. So it's a win on both sides. I think from a, just a quantitative ROI, we talk about in, in employee, the cost of losing an employee in terms of obtaining and retaining, but the cost of not having good groups isn't just with the people that are in the groups. We know from academic research that productivity actually increases for the whole organization because even if the employees are, if there are certain employees that have nothing to do with the groups, they just, for whatever reason, they don't want to, or they don't have the time or whatever, the, the visibility of that organization saying to its employees, you matter, we care about you, we want you to feel a sense of belonging, that has a positive productivity effect on everyone in the organization. And, you know, what's true as well is that it can be the reverse. If you don't do employee groups well or you don't offer them, it actually can drain your retention, your acquisition and your productivity. This is an interesting piece because I think a lot of companies see this as something else, something to bolt on, something that's a distraction from the real work of doing the business and not essential to and part of the real work of doing the business. When people are detractors or disinterested in ERGs and you're trying to bring them on board as an ERG leader or someone who's in the DNI office, what techniques have you seen your clients use, or maybe it's give them a copy of your book uh, to talk about the benefits of ERGs, but how do you overcome some of that resistance in organizations that people that don't get it might have? There's, there's a couple of really good historical uh, comparisons. And the first one I wrote about in our 2021 trends, which is labor unions. You can turn your back to the fact that says, we're not going to let our employees unionize. History taught us otherwise. If employees really want to have their voices heard, they're going to find ways to do it. And they should, obviously. We're big proponents of it. But as a manager, if you're in an organization, you're like, oh, we're not going to let them do that. You're, you're just not living in the reality. You're not in the real world. So in some ways, employee groups are really modern institutions representing labor unions, but they're a much more win for everyone. They're not as adversarial. They're not designed to be one-sided. It's really a, a construct, a social construct to really make people feel good and belonging on all sides of that equation. So that's one way of showing the light. I think that it's almost very much parallel to corporate social responsibility too. Back in the late 90s, we had this onslaught of every company saying we recycle, we have labor laws, we're corporate social responsible citizens. And today they still do that. Some of them have escalated it up into ESG, environmental sustainability. There is clearly a bifurcation in that market too, of companies that make it part of their fabric, everything that they do, their hiring, their policies, that their financials, everything ties back to their ERG, to their, sorry, CSR or their ESG strategy. Then there's others that just put it on for optical show. 
in, in some cases, in many cases, they get away with that because it's hard to challenge a company to say, how much are you recycling? And let me see all your labor laws and all that. It's a little bit easier to fake it. With this particular space, the employee group space, you can't fake it. Candidates are going to look around the organization. They're going to want to talk to people as part of their interview process. The diversity people can still bury their head if they want and say, we're not going to report numbers if they're not a public company. But in many cases, even if the numbers aren't available for whatever reason, you look around, you ask about it when you go in as a new employee. It's very visible. I think the reality is this, if you have a senior executive and they are not on board with this and you say to them, look, this is what 99% of the companies are doing. There's over 50 million people involved in ERGs today. And they're still like, no, we're not going to do it. It's a competitive disadvantage. Too bad for them. Yeah. It's almost like saying we're not going to get on board with cloud technology at this point. Yeah. What choice do you have? This internet thing is going to go away. Okay. All right. You know what? I'm not... We, we have a philosophy, a couple philosophies actually at ELA. And one of them is, look, if you're not into ERGs, go somewhere else because we don't have the time or energy to educate you or to convince you. I say, you want to get educated, you're absolutely right. Read the book. Here it is. It's an hour. Invest that. After that, if you decide it's not for you, that's your prerogative. But you know what? If you are not on board and you want us to convince you, I'm sorry. I have too many other people that really need our support and time who are really taking this very seriously and want to do it. What can I tell you? The internet's a phase and that's the way it is. Exactly. Alyssa, there's a lot in your book about trends in ERGs, not just in the U.S., but globally. And I wanted to just touch on a couple of those trends. And I don't think we're going to solve all the world's problems today, but just to let people know what you're seeing in the marketplace. And of course, there's more details in the book, but there's a lot of debate right now. For example, about whether or not to pay or compensate ERG leaders. And how do you see companies striking the balance between rewarding people for their discretionary effort versus having people game the system versus what some might say is exploitative of people's lived experience? How are you seeing them balance those different different forces? Yeah, this is one of many paradoxes that are literally part of this unique space. And there is not a right answer. We ran this panel as part of our symposia last fall. Um, We held it at Amazon and we had the panel was split and the room was split with a lot of emotion. There are good arguments on both sides of that to pay, not to pay. I want to be clear when we say pay leaders, it's not a second salary. It is like a stipend or a bonus amount typically We've had many companies say they, quote, pay, and then when you boil it down with them, if you Google that, you're going to say, oh, yeah, we pay, and it's $1,000, which to some people is a lot of money, and to others is an insult. So it depends on a lot of things, and it also depends on the level. In some cases, you might have to be at a global ERG level to get that, a performance review on top of your existing, your hired job performance review So you have all these deliverables. So again, for the employee who's in that role, that adds an additional burden of, I have to get this done. It's a whole set of management metrics that I have to live up to. So that may not be for everyone. Uh, And on the employer side, of course, it's additional work to be done as well. You also get into the question of equity. And this is this whole market, it's E and DEI. Is, Is it fair to give some people money and not others? There's other people who are like, look, if, if you want to be on your parent-teacher board association or whatever it call, you call it in your neighborhood, they don't pay you for that. 
don't do it. So there's a lot of sides of this argument. And quite honestly, Amy, I, I have my own opinions, but I don't get to make those policy decisions for a company. They have to really reconcile based on what their culture, how they want to manage it, and the kinds of scope. Some of these organizations have hundreds of thousands of leaders now. So it becomes a very large commitment. And once you put it out there, it is hard to take back. Now, with that said, I guess my last comment is there's a lot of other ways to recognize and reward leaders. Everything from verbal, physical, and online appreciation, shout outs and things of that, to cash rewards, I'm sorry, point rewards, to events and special training that they get. This is goes back to a total compensation kind of conversation, which is giving somebody a, a little bit more money may or may not be the right answer to the problem. I think that's fair. And there are some roles that are ERG related that are full-time dedicated roles. It's not a side job. We're seeing more and more, a lot of companies call them oversight managers or ERG program managers. Can you talk a little bit about what that role is and why these positions have sprung up? in the last year or two? Yeah, for sure. So ELA started in 2019, and I could count the number of oversight managers literally on one hand. And today, it it is hundreds of thousands of them, literally at every company that has, we say, over five ERGs, but we even see program managers with groups that have two or three. So they are responsible for setting oversight policy, things like who can apply and how much money or what is the process for funding. Um, In some cases, they are um, deciding or at least involved in who gets to be executive sponsors and what's the process of engagement for that. In um, some organizations, they are creating contracts and policies between the hired managers. In other words, if I'm a volunteer ERG leader, the person who I report to on a day-to-day basis versus the DEI organization where this oversight person typically is in. I don't report to the DEI office as a ERG leader, but I do have accountability. So there's a matrix management situation, even though in this case, the, the DEI office has no compensation, direct compensation control. So there, there's a lot of this policy procedures and po- processes The oversight people want to make things as easy, frictionless, of course, throughout the organization, but particularly for the ERG leader, they want to take away as much as they can that's overhead in administration so the leaders can use their very limited time and budget to do great programming, to have great mentoring, and all the things that we want those leaders to experience. But with that said, there's this very tenuous line of doing too much and also and or reducing the autonomy, the creativity of the leaders. So you want to give some scaffolding, some support that says, for example, when you create a program, when you decide you want to do a program, and a program could be an event, like a speaker, a book club, whatever it might be, how much money, why are you doing it? How do you know it's going to be successful? And then on the back end, what are the metrics around it? So next time you come back and ask for money, you have some track record, some kind of, that's a policy decision or a process decision that the oversight person would typically impose, if you will, on the ERG leader. So that's happening everywhere for the reasons that may seem very clear that this is a a bit, it it lives within, quote, a business, even if it's a municipality or nonprofit, you're giving money to the ERGs, you want to show some ROI. So that consistency, that governance, that accountability, that's where the program managers are really coming in. 
It also gives a lift to the ERG leaders too, right? Because they are able then to plug into systems that are already in place, take advantage of processes that have already been stood up. They know what the approval processes, for example, to get something done. And in a lot of places where ERGs are grassroots led or built from the bottom up, every group feels like they have to create that in a vacuum. And then when they try to work together across ERGs, it creates more friction because they don't follow the same processes. They don't speak the same language. They don't use the same forms. They don't have the same budgets. Yeah. I mean, ELA, you know, the very first days, I would say, I just want to stop people to stop reinventing the wheel. They're doing the same things over and over again. So you have a leader who's there for a year or two and they leave. And then the next leader comes in and does the same stuff all over again, because there wasn't uh, documentation. There wasn't some processes put in place, simple process. They don't have to be heavy duty, but a way so that next leader can take off from there where that leader has left off. A lot of this has to do with giving them enough support, enough process, enough governance, so that there's equity, but there's a consistency, and you're absolutely right, so that they're not second-guessing and subsequently reinventing anything that's unnecessary. Third trend I want to talk to you about is this notion of global ERGs, and the way that a lot of American companies, U.S.-based companies at least, tend to force fit or like it might be a square peg in a round hole, but they just shove the thing together, right? With uh, ERGs outside the U.S. and global ERGs. Talk to me a little bit, talk to the audience a little bit about what does it mean to have ERGs globally and how does that differ from just a U.S.-based company that has ERGs in the U.S.? This has been so point on for everything we're talking about these days. Like this is not just the trend. This is like the trend. And The reason I say that is not only has ELA's membership grown dramatically over the last year in international training, like companies that have entities all over the world, but we have a lot of members, uh, and we're guessing now almost 15% of the membership are organizations that have no U.S. presence or literally are based outside the U.S. and might have a division or subsidiary here, which means, again, they operate um, as a non-U.S. entity. So huge shift that we're seeing. And at this, when I say shift, it's not really a shift. It's an influx of interest. We have a session that we built called, how do you have a global mindset? And as we were dissecting this, and we have a lot of trainers now all over the the world, there's the obvious issues of things like if I'm LGBT in the US, I run that group. What does it look like in Syria? (laughs) What does it look like in some of these other areas that may or may not even allow for it, so to speak, in the social um, culture. But then we have things like maybe also somewhat obvious when I say it, time zone differences. We just did a very large training for a multinational company. We had to do a session three times because we had it in all the time zones. There are those kinds of obvious, I would say, fixed issues that no surprise, nothing new. However, the world keeps changing. News keeps changing. Politics keeps changing. Laws keep changing. And even in the U.S., let's be honest, like things that we could do last year in certain states this year, no way. So there is this kind of social, political, economic reality that we have to always be cognizant and agile around. When 
Black Life Matters was the stimulus, again, for this rebirth of ERGs. And I, I dare say that was a positive outcome, but it, that when we started to see companies take ERGs, employee groups more seriously, the series of all these things that have happened since then continue to stimulate this awareness, but it also continues to question, like, where should the focus be? For example, Asia Life Matters or you know, the whole Asian Asian movement, that raised a lot of awareness that we should do something in the U.S. But you know what? In Asia, Asia is not a culture. It's a lot of different countries. It almost escalated in some way our ignorance in the U.S. And I think what's coming back now, or I hope what's coming back, is an awareness that cultures, even at a city level, can be very different than what they are at this kind of global definitional way. So Having that awareness, being a little bit more sensitive to it, great. Doing a little bit more planning where we don't assume that everyone's on our time zone, speaks our language, has the same social acceptance, same economic values. All of that has to start to roll into our programming. So if you're a leader and you're in a particular country, for example, sure. If you're oversight, oh, you better be a lot more aware about those issues because they, again, they could really cut, you're trying to do good work, but unfortunately you do it in the wrong way. It can really come back in the wrong direction. Absolutely. Alyssa, where can people find you? Where can people find your book if they're interested in learning more about ERG Leadership Alliance or your book, ERG Intelligence? The good news is ERGleadershipalliance.com is our website. And if you go there, you can actually get a free PDF of the book, which is ERG Intelligence because we want to educate as many people as possible. If you do would like to get paper version or you want to have a a formal ebook version, it's on Amazon. We will include both of those links in the show notes. Alyssa, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your expertise, and all of this, these very timely trends with our audience. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series, available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this week's episode of Including You. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a comment or a review to help others find us as well. Be sure to join me next week when my guest will be Athena Villarreal from Navy Federal Credit Union.